0: BMG Partners in 14942 ay presents The Journey Podcast. The stories you're about to hear are true. They shine a light on the events and incidents, known and unknown, that have shaped the lives of the Albury-Wodonga region's most intriguing personalities, local legends and unsung heroes. So sit back and enjoy... Once again, the journey returns, thanks to BMG Partners, enabling people to achieve this time around, Dimity Brazzle, who is the lady behind A Lasting Tale, which we'll learn a little bit more about throughout the journey. Welcome into the studio. Thank
1: you, Kevin. That's great.
0: Now, Dim, we've got to find out a little bit more about you first. So okay, Before sure. we talk about yep. A Lasting Tale, uh, We start with the local ties to the area. How have you come about to be an Albury, Wodonga? Right.
1: Well, actually, I'm not an Albury girl. I'm actually uh, Wagga Wagga born and bred. Um, So I realise, you know, I come from the wrong side of uh, New South Wales. So I'm a Wagga girl and I was educated in the Catholic local system there. And then um, I'm the youngest of uh, nine children, actually, and uh, we all grew up there. And then after that, I... I thought I am leaving town, I'm leaving regional Australia, so I uh, went to university in Canberra and then I spent about 10 years working in Sydney, where hilariously I met a Wagga boy at a party and I married him, so I didn't end up going that far (laughs) in the end, and then we went overseas to London, we worked there for a few years, and then 10 years ago uh, we came back from London and um, I was pregnant with my first child and um we decided that we needed to settle somewhere and suddenly living in the city wasn't as great anymore. It was harder. Our um, friends were having children. um, Things were more expensive and we realised that there was a better way. So um, uh, my husband, Sean, he got a job in Wodonga and we moved here. It's a move to Albury. I never thought I would live here. Actually, one of my oldest sisters has lived here my whole life. She's an Albury local. Her children are um albury kids and i just i'm sure we both never dreamed that we would end up in the same town but yeah there you go
0: so here you are a decade on and and a lasting tale is, is something that you've been working on for some period of time now. Explain that concept to us.
1: So A Lasting Tale records the audio life stories of your loved person. Um, you can record your own. Um, you can record the loved one of someone who's elderly or dying. And uh, so basically it's like doing... BMG's the journey but I come to your house with my own uh, mic and all my professional gear and we walk you through your life story. It normally takes about two or three hours. That's the professional service. I've been doing that for uh, a lasting tale has been going for two and a half years now and um, just recently I launched a mobile app called a lasting tale and under the mobile app you Anybody here, anybody who's listening can go in and they can do their own audio life story. It doesn't cost anything. It's a shortened version. And my kind of best life stories come up on screen as you record on your phone.
0: Yeah. And so uh, through that app, I guess, is there sort of questions that help people to prompt and guide them, questions you've found yourself work to to help grab the whole story? Yeah.
1: Like, The reason I started A Lasting Tale and the reason I built the app where you could do your own and not just have somebody come out and do it is that, yeah, it's really easy to record audio and video on your phone. That's really easy. But what's not easy is knowing how to ask a question. It's not easy to start the conversation. It's not easy to sit down, say, with your father who may be 85 and getting older or has just had a life crisis. It's actually not that easy to sit down and go, okay, dad. Tell me about your earliest childhood memory. Tell me about what's made you happy in your life. Tell me about life wisdom that you would like to pass on. It's not that easy to start the conversation. So what the app does is that it gives you, gives you those questions on the screen so you can start it.
0: So what prompted you? To come up with this idea, was there a light bulb moment for yourself, or or a family member or loved one that that you felt you didn't know the true story of, or how did the idea yeah. come about? I,
1: I think that's really interesting. There's always a backstory to these kind of things, and and basically um, about about 10 years ago at the same time that I moved back from London, I had one of those periods in life that we all get where you just had a run of kind of bad things happen. Well, I had one really great thing happen and that was my eldest uh, daughter was born, but that was followed really quickly by the death of my father. And then just only a few months after that, uh, one of my older sisters died. And You know, obviously, um, those two losses, my father and my sister, within three months, it was pretty intense mm. you know and i know that many of your listeners and and all of us at some point in our lives go through those losses of people um and so i didn't act on that straight away um, i i went back and i you know nurtured my little family and i worked as the writer that i am and then in the back of my mind was this thing that we had a lot of information about my father he was quite a well-known guy and there were articles about him but about my sister um um, th- there was not very much and there was no recorded history um she had a young daughter who is now you know in her like uh, this happened 10 years ago her, her daughter was 12 and 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 I realized that that daughter would forget her voice and her stories and and so I suppose I looked around me I started listening to podcasts podcasts like this podcasts about people's stories and I realized that actually there was a really easy way to to capture the stories of of my sister or 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 not in that case um and so I thought we we all want to capture the stories of someone that we love often we only have that realization when somebody has gone that is the truth um but but when you have that realisation, there are always more people in your life that haven't gone yet. So, um, on a on a positive note, I then turned to my mum, who is um, now 87. And so, at the time I started this, she was 84. And I was like, mum, we're going to record your story. I, I, um, let's do it as a podcast. Um, let's do it with professional audio gear. You can be my guinea pig. And sh- she was like, oh, okay, I'm on board. And then, you know, she pretty much became the face of the business. Business. She helped me develop the question, she's in all my photo shoots and so it's basically because of Anne, you could mm. say. And, well.
0: and what's the what's the response like when you do go into somebody else's territory and you're helping people um, cover the story of their loved ones? Um, do you find it's an emotional experience?
1: Um, yeah, it's always an intense experience. I mean, I've I've done quite a lot of interviews now in the local region and in Sydney and and Melbourne and, and all around. And it is always a new experience for me as well as the listener. It's actually good to come in today because I was a bit nervous about coming on this interview and starting the conversation. And, and it's really good insight into how every person must feel before I enter their home <laughs> and start their audio live story so i think that's a really important insight um so everybody's always nervous we do preparation just like we have done today and i i research them but you know what everybody starts talking after a bit in fact all anybody really wants is for someone to sit down and listen to them you know and once i think you can identify that they just want to be listened to and to share their story, then you will always get something out of them. And I think when somebody is elderly or facing the the end, we're more nervous about it than they are, actually. They know where this journey is going to end and, and actually they always want to share. They always want to say, I know where this journey will end and this is what I want to pass on. What I find is really good when I go and do it um, or the other people that work for me is that I am not their son or their daughter or their family member. And so they really tell me so much more. <laughs> they really unleash and and we really get great stuff and I always have a bond at the end. You know, like I I think no matter how large a lasting tale gets, I will remember something about every single person I interview.
0: That's great. Yeah. Um, I guess the fortunate thing coming into this journey is you and I have actually known each other over the years. Kids are similar age. We've served on a preschool committee together. But how do you think other people would describe you?
1: Yeah, right. Um, Well, I think people would say I'm very talkative. And I would like that people would think that I was optimistic and generally kind of cheerful.
0: When you aren't working on A Lasting Tale, what yep. do you do with your spare time? You mentioned a, a moment ago that you're a writer. Yeah. Um, go into a little bit more on that, perhaps.
1: Oh, yeah. So, I'm not a writer for pleasure. I'm a, well, I mean, I, I, so, when I'm not doing A Lasting Tale, my other job is a, as a freelance educational writer. So, I write um, finance content for financial advisors and accountants and lawyers. And it's much drier than A Lasting Tale, but it has enabled me to... Um, generate income that I have been able to put into building a lasting tale in the app. So as we all know, um, you know, there are many ways to get to there are many means to an end, mm. um, but I've actually been financial writing for a long time. That's been my kind of career. So I wouldn't say that's my hobby. Um, my things I do outside of work is well, I have three young children, so it's definitely a hobby looking after them, and yeah. it's it's probably my most extensive one. <laughs> and um, I really, I'm a really big reader. Actually, I've been a I've been a big reader and a bookworm since I was a really young girl, and. Um, um, I know it's not a very exciting hobby, but it's mine. Yeah. yeah.
0: Who do you admire?
1: Who do I admire? Uh, well, I admire two people really. I admire my mum, uh, Anne, who's the who's um, the inspiration behind a lasting tale. I admire her because she's eighty-seven. Uh, that's not why I admire her. <laughs> huh. um, I admire her because she has been faced with loss and difficulty and she bounces back every single time. She even now is still bouncing back. She's positive, she's resilient and she's very well read. She's a very good conversationalist and she has a very dark sense of humour, which I think has really helped her. Yeah.
0: yeah. Some say that's um that's a, the secret to life is, yeah. is not just a, a dark sense of humor, any sense of humor. She's I very think. funny yeah. actually. Yeah. I mean, and and who else?
1: Oh, and another one would be another one of my sisters, um, who has been a professional musician her whole life and I grew up. Uh, uh, under her, and I watched her commitment to her cello from when she was uh, uh, a young girl. When we were teenagers together, her commitment was intense. Um, she would practice five hours a day when she was in Year Twelve, and 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 that sense of commitment that she had a sense a commitment that I have never had for anything. That sense of commitment that she had for her passion is something that I have admired so greatly. That and she's also underneath that commitment. She's also a truly kind person, and I think they're quite rare.
0: Hmm. What's um? You, you mentioned capturing people's lives and the later stage of life. I have no doubt you've probably had a few people that have a bit of wisdom. Yeah. Um, and, and have you come across any good quotes, so even if it's not through the the interview process and the capturing someone's life, but even quotes that you might live by? What? You-
1: well, I. I- <laughs> I did think about this. I did a bit of prep for this because I've heard lots of great life wisdom for all of my interview subjects. Um, Most of it is about um, living your best life, Um, not keeping up with the Joneses. a, A great one is about uh, from an elderly couple that that wished they hadn't spent so much time being concerned about what other people thought, mm. that they'd realised that actually, you know, that was of no ends. Uh, but I did come up with two mantras outside of that yeah. um, that I, I do use. And one of them is a quote from my father, which is, uh, love many, trust few, always paddle your own canoe. Uh, I like that. I think that sh- uh, shows that you have to be independent in this world. And the other one is from the poem Desderata, which I don't know if you know, but um, it's, it's a long poem full of wisdom. But, but the end says, um, you know, the world is full of sham, drudgery and broken dreams, but it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful, strive to be happy.
0: Very simple, easy to understand, easy to follow and quite factual. Yeah, Yeah. I like it, Dimity. And we've all heard of sliding door moments um, You know, forks in the road and things like that Have you had any of those in life Where you've had to sort of uh, sit back and go What would have happened?
1: Well, look, I don't don't really look back a lot Even though that is funny that a lasting tale Is to look back on someone's life and reflect Uh, But I myself, uh, I'm not a big one for looking back And thinking about what could have been Because I actually think well, I think I'm too pragmatic, actually, Kev. I actually think, well, that didn't happen. So, you know, um, I, I don't know what could have been. I suppose when I was in London professionally, when I was in London, we landed just as the global financial crisis happened mm-hmm. and my husband got a job like straight away, which was great. But I never got a full time job uh, as a, in financial education after a major um, financial collapse hard to understand. And, um, um, you know, as a recently married Australian in my um, late 20s, I can't understand why no one would not give me a job. Uh, so, that actually forced me to become a freelance writer. And way before every, anybody else was in the gig economy or, mm. or anything like that, that forced me to plug away at that for two years, which meant... I think that was a turning point in my career because it meant that I've never worked for anybody again. Um, And I plugged away and plugged away. By the time I got to Albury, by the time I had my children, I had um, overseas clients. I had Sydney and Melbourne-based clients. I could come here. I could work for myself. I could have some financial freedom. And I think that was a really good
0: And have you still got those overseas clients today?
1: Uh, I kept the London client until two years ago, yeah, but now all of my clients are here.
0: Yeah, Yeah. because it's amazing what you find about people in our community that you don't realise what they do or or what their connections are externally from the local area. It's always fascinating to hear of of more of those.
1: Yeah, so outside of a lasting Tale, all of my finance education work has always been outside of here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: What's the toughest decision you've had to make in life, Tim?
1: Yeah, again, I, I think I've been really fortunate where I haven't had to make a lot of really tough choices. Um, you know, uh, obviously that period that I explained um, with, um, you know, the loss of my, my father and sibling, that's not a choice. That's just life happening to you. Uh, that was a tough time, but it, it was okay, actually. You know, um It was 10 years ago and also I had my daughter at the same time and that was a really great juxtaposition of what life is about, I think. I I remember thinking, this isn't a decision, but it's a point I'd like to make. I thought about this. I I remember thinking when I held Vivian, and she was just so happy and brought so much joy and then those things happened. I, I remember thinking this is the cycle of life, actually. This is what it's about. I think that thought has helped inform a lasting tale and I think has probably informed the person I I am, I think Mm. Mm.
0: And I know I only found this out recently but I know you mentioned your father's passing and the fact that he was well known Yes, Uh, Was he the mayor of Wagga Wagga? He
1: was, Kev, yes he was Yes, he for, was
0: For a long period oh, of time no, Oh yeah, he, he,
1: he was in the 90s So um, if you look at it from my personal perspective He was the Mayor of Wagga for nearly my entire adolescence Which I did not thank him for at the time, <laughs> Kev And um, so, you know, I, I think I should have some private chats to your, your children When they're older, I can, I can give them some tips So yeah, I didn't love Dad at the time for making me the Mayor's daughter <laughs> For my whole teenage years but that was a long time ago, and now I look back and I'm very proud of what he achieved.
0: Mm, yeah. What What did you learn from it, from being the the mayor's daughter?
1: Oh god, oh, oh goodness! I learnt that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't don't <laughs> say it. I learnt to keep your opinions in the privacy of your own home. Um, I, I I learnt that uh, somebody in in public life. Um, it's a real up and down life, and I, I learned that community service is really important um, not only for the community that you're serving, but it's a really rewarding thing to do for yourself. Um, my, my parents lived very strong community lives. My mother was also deeply involved in Charles Sturt University and the women's refuge. And I'd like to say she was more prominent than dad, but because she's alive, um, I think she'd like to hear that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't true. So I learned that community service is, is a really great thing to do and, um, uh, yeah, I suppose, um, and I learnt not to tell too many people that my father was the Mayor of Water. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not quite enough,
0: though. <laughs> I love it. Hey, um, I can see there's a lot of pride around around the maternal side of your life. Um, I'm going to ask, what's the best thing you think that's ever happened to you in life? Is it the maternal piece? Often mums will oh, instantly yeah. go straight to that, but you're welcome to go anywhere else.
1: No, no. Uh, yeah, no, obviously, well, not obviously. I suppose that's a bit of a blanket statement. I, I have been lucky enough to be a mum, and I have three children, and they make me really proud. But also, I'm—they're pretty young. I, I'm actually. Pr- I, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing their journey and to seeing where life takes them and what kind of people they become. And I'm sure like all parents, I'm I'm excited and anxious about that, mm. you know, in
0: equal measure. It's interesting you say you look forward to seeing their journeys. I think that's something any parent can relate to is you sort of almost move into that part of, come on, show me what you've got. Show me what you're going to do. Um, if you thought of yourself, though, as a younger person, do you think... Did you think you'd be here with a lasting tale? Did you think you'd be a finance writer? uh, No. What did you want to be? What did you think you were going to be? Well,
1: I mean, I wanted to be a journalist, basically, Mm. so it's not that far from the truth. I really wanted to be like a political journalist and be in the press gallery and all of that stuff. But um, So that was one of the things that I really uh, wanted to do. I I think that was it. Um, I didn't. I didn't have any great big plans about where I wanted to live. I didn't think I'd be living in back in Wagga or Aubrey, But I, I'm so happy I am. Like I'm so happy to be living in regional Australia. So, yeah, you you could say that. I suppose writing and a lasting tale isn't that far from being a mm. journalist. Yeah, yeah.
0: true. And um, with the benefit of hi- hindsight. So hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give a younger you?
1: Um. Yeah. A, a younger me. I, I think the advice I'd give a younger me is to have more confidence. Mm-hmm. Um. And to not, not give up so easily when uh, something gets put up in your way, or somebody says something that uh, might put you down or put your dreams down to just understand that that's just one person's opinion take it on board and keep on
0: you're always maturing aren't you i think anybody yeah. could uh, later in life you keep looking back to those moments of lack of confidence or things like that i mean if you're happy to talk about it because you, you do start it from time to yeah, time yeah i see, do see that in the interview and yeah. i've known that over the years yeah what's that been like as part, part um, of part yeah. of your life
1: yeah, well, I don't, I don't really talk about it much, really. I, I, like, it is just part of me. Um, it was a lot worse as a child, um, you know. Obviously, you'll hear some stutters in this interview, so I, I still do stutter. Uh, I suppose if I reflect, I probably didn't pursue my dream of becoming a journalist, maybe because of the fear of the stutter, like... Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think if I reflect back on that, but it's not like some terrible thing that that didn't happen. But I went more into reading and the writing side than the spoken side because I would say because of the stutter and the associated um, nervousness with that. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm pleased that as I got older and wiser, and realised that it's just a little thing, and that I'm very lucky to have uh, not have a very serious stutter now, mm. um, which some adults still really do, and that's a real struggle for them. Um, I suppose I suppose I'm happy with myself that maybe a lasting tale and 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 doing these audio interviews is is kind of coming full circle to that now. Now I'm on audio all the time and my stutter is my stutter, you know.
0: You mentioned confidence. Was it tough as a kid? Did that add to the, the confidence perhaps and trying to find that confidence as quick as possible? Or?
1: I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yes, I, I would say that I lacked confidence as a child and that my stutter had a lot to do with that. But on the flip side, I wasn't I wasn't teased that much at school about it. Like I always had friends and I've always been a good talker. Yeah. <laughs> um Within my f- um, group of friends and family, like, but outside in the world, I've when I was a child and a teenager, I certainly didn't, uh, I was a lot quieter and I certainly was more hesitant about speaking up. But, um, bed, or, there was a turning point, if you don't mind me digressing and that is is that in year five in 1989 the song stutter rap was um released and um i I used to get teased a bit at school for my stutter, which is understandable i mean kids are kids and um and I remember when Stutter Rap got released, I remember listening to this and going on, this this can't be good, this is not going to end well. And so there were these two boys, I, I won't uh, name them, we'll just call them J and J, um, and they, uh, they you, would sing Stutter Rap to me every morning when I hopped off the school bus, they'd sing it to me and then everybody would laugh. And I thought, oh my God, that's... That's annoying. And so I went home over the weekend and watched Video Smash Hits and I recorded it on, on the VHS and I played it again and again and I learned all the words to it. And I, I thought J&J probably wouldn't have done that. They, they probably couldn't have made it much past the, um, the chorus. <laughs> and so I learned all the words and I hopped off that bus on Monday morning and J&J sang um, the chorus of Starter Rap and I sang the whole song back to them. <laughs> and actually, if you're talking about Turn points in a life, I think that, in hindsight, I think that might have been it, because uh, not one person that I went to school with or Wagga with said a word about my stutter for the rest of my time there.
0: You owned it? and I owned it, And well done, it's funny, you mentioned the stutter app song, (laughs) because obviously (laughs) political correctness and, and all the rest only just recently I rediscovered that as being a highly inappropriate song in the current environment
1: oh yes there is so much fun with stutter. I'm pretty sure it's so, not getting any radio time now
0: so I don't know if we should wrap up the interview now so people can go and google stutter rap yeah. cause there'll be a lot of people that don't know about it yeah I feel like
1: there's going to be a lot of stutter rap trending right now
0: but yeah. let's um we're well and truly out of the journey of Timothy Brazzle and um and we'll, we'll let people at the end of this go and look for stutter rap yeah uh, but just so they can be on the same page but um Let's talk about 2020 yes. being a tough year. Um, everybody's been impacted differently. Um, there's been winners. There's been a lot of losers. There's still uncertainty. There's still, you know, what? how does it all play out? What's the flow on effects? What are the things that only time will heal? Um, what was the most challenging part for you?
1: I've been really lucky actually I'd have to say that I am ai am not a winner nor a loser Uh, I've been really neutral Um, Nobody in my family got sick or unwell by anything Um, so that means we haven't been exposed to treatments or um, hospitals Uh, I know through all my work in A Lasting Tale that um, that has not been the case for many people Um, In terms of professionally um, yeah I mean um, my work Right up uh, for quite a few months on the financial writing side Um, and with the lasting tail though um, we did have a port like I couldn't do any interviews for most of last year and our I had pilots running with uh, Mercy uh, Palliative Care uh, volunteers and Mercy Aged Care so all of my pilots have been put on hold in the aged care space and everything so these things happen. They get put on hold. I, I feel that, um, you know, um, COVID-19 itself in terms of long-term and the awareness of our of our elderly and the value of their stories, COVID-19 is only going to enhance that mm. um, long-term. It did make me pivot my app. So it made me put in more of the do-it-yourself recording side of the app and making it free and stuff. So I took the time to do that um but so there were small changes obviously i had to homeschool but you know everybody had to do that uh that um has children so i think in the end um it's yeah it's given me time to develop a lasting tale and um you know my husband had his job throughout so we weren't plunged into any difficulty that was unable to be faced
0: good um, what surprised you about the experience of COVID nineteen in the year of twenty twenty?
1: I think what surprised me was how well how resilient everybody intrinsically actually is and how I think that uh you know whenever you read stories about um, the loss that's happened here in australia a lot of financial loss and everything the the real um the real ability of people to go right say you know like i i, I lost this profession and then i turned and i'm trying this mm. um i i think it's really stripped away um, the artifices of what we considered important as well and, um, you know, taking it down to bare bones. At the end, we all had to go home into our safe homes. Um, well, if, if you had a safe home, mm. um, you had to go into your home and you had to find your family and you had to bunker down with them. And the longer this goes on for, uh, then the more I think that will be a change, particularly for our generation. Mm. Mm. Um
0: have your values shifted
1: um my values shifted I I think I do value community more Uh, I think I do value family more um I, I think I'm trying to value time more like I'm trying to not be so busy 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 uh you know I haven't Uh, Immediately gone back into all of the activities, not into all of them yet, and I'm trying to hold back on that. Um, Yes, and um, uh, look, as a family, we've just started to try and go camping. We're not we're not campers. (laughs) Uh, We tried it last weekend, uh, just just the five of us, and uh, you know, real back to basics camping, and we did all right.
0: (laughs) I need you to talk to my wife. Um, <laughs> she says we will never be a camping Look, family. Look,
1: it was okay. It was, it was pretty fun, actually. I, I think we'll do it again.
0: <laughs> um, like to wrap up usually with a bit of fun, Dimity. Um yep. Oldie but a goodie. Are you able to invite three people to your dinner party, dead or alive, who would they be?
1: Yeah, right. Like, I I thought about this a lot, actually. (laughs) Um, And, look, in the end, I just want my dinner party to be really fun. You know, as you said, it's been a tough year. You know, we've talked about a lot of serious stuff in this interview. So, I've gone, number one... um, Annabelle Crabb, who is an ABC journalist and, mm-hmm. and runs a um, great podcast about books and movies. She's a great cook. So, and, and Annabelle Crabb has really great hair. Sorry, Annabelle. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's PC, but I've got really short cropped hair. She's got these beautiful long curls. So, I think I invited Annabelle Crabb because really... If I couldn't be me, I'd like to be Annabelle Crabb. And she's a great baker, so she could bring along dessert. And then (laughs) I'd like to invite Hugh Jackman.
0: The triple threat, the singer, the dancer. Yeah, he's (laughs) such a triple threat.
1: Um, And he would have great stories to tell about Hollywood and Mm. stars. And he seems like a really funny, uh, um, entertaining guy. And so um, for the third one, I thought about serious people, you know, like Winston Churchill or Obama mm. or something. But in the end, I'd like to invite Peter Allen because I'd really like Peter Allen and Hugh Jackman to sing together all of his songs, <laughs> like in Boy From Oz, and then Annabelle Crabb can just talk to them all the time. And I just think everybody would like to cook. cook. That, that would be a fun party. That
0: does sound like a very fun party. Yeah. So um, as the dishes are getting served at the fun party, sweet or savoury, which you're reaching for Yeah, first. really.
1: Well, I actually like both equally. So I'd like to say I'd like... And chocolate.
0: (laughs) And uh, the average weekend, uh, this coming weekend, what are your plans?
1: Uh, Well, this weekend, the eldest daughter I've talked about (laughs) is having a birthday actually. So I'm hosting a dinner party and then a sleepover for 10 and 11 year olds.
0: Thanks for listening to The Journey. At BMG Partners, they enable people to achieve their dreams. And if listening to this conversation got you thinking about your journey and whether you're on track, they'd love to hear from you. Head to bmgpartners.com.au. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.